Hi, I'm Beth Accomando, your resident cinema junkie here at KPBS. From the archives this week, I decided to pull up an interview with Nicholas Holt. Holt can currently be seen in Mad Max Fury Road playing one of the war boys, Nux. He was also seen in Warm Bodies, and he also plays Beast in the X-Men movies. I interviewed Holt for a film called Wawa, directed and written by actor Richard E. Grant. Grant had written this screenplay based on his own childhood growing up in Swaziland. He cast Holt to play his alter ego in the film. Audiences have been watching Holt grow up on screen, starting with About a Boy and running through Mad Max Fury Road. And the fact that Holt has become more popular on screen may make people want to go back and look at some of his earlier work. Wawa reveals that actor Richard E. Grant is as adept behind the camera as he is in front, and the film stars Gabriel Byrne, Emily Watson, Julie Walters, and Miranda Richardson. Before I dust off that interview from the archives, let's play the trailer from Wawa so you can get a sense of what the film's about. This 10th day of June, 1969, in the 18th year of our reign. In the remote nation of Swaziland, a group of British expatriates lived the charmed life. Cheers, boys. Cheers, Gwen. This is not too stiff for you, is it? They had their customs. Harry said I'd be bored stiff, but I love it. Have very hobbled jobbled for you. Hobbled jobbled. Their traditions. Why do they all speak in this snooty baby talk all the time? And each other. Ah, the welcoming committee! But while their perfect world was coming to an end, one family's problems were just beginning. You knew Mum was coming down to see me, so why didn't you tell me? It's just weird that every time my mother makes any kind of contact, he goes ballistic. It wasn't that long ago you were begging me to stay. I can't deal with this. We all lie. Everyone's jumping everyone around here, but just because they're not divorced, we pretend it's not happening. Just because you married my husband faster than a sandwich doesn't give you rights. Like we pretend Dad's not a total drunk. I'm not invisible, you know. No, you're a divorcee, which is far worse. No more la-di-da, hoity-toity, hooty, snooty, wah-wah <laughs> anymore. I suppose you think this is all so bloody easy. You never really get away, you know. Gabriel Byrne, Miranda Richardson, Emily Watson, Julie Walters, and about a boy's Nicholas Holt. From director Richard E. Grant, Wawa. What is it like to play a person who's actually the person directing you as well? It's quite a strange experience because normally the director, all the directors that I've worked with are basically, have just got the script and it's not anything to really do with them. So uh, when you're playing a character who the person that you're playing is, was set on their life, they'd written it and they were directing it, it's, uh, it was quite scary for me because, you know, I could let him down tremendously because, uh, you know, I could just not create a, a great character that he's written or just not portray the emotions well enough and he obviously knew exactly how it was so he would be able to see if it wasn't uh, if it wasn't correct how I was doing it, very obviously. So um, it's a bit scary, but uh, once I got out there and got into the character and realised what a great director Richard was and how he puts you at ease and very clear with what he wants and you know he just made it very easy for me to play him then he didn't really uh he didn't necessarily want to create a character of himself a younger version of himself or whatever he just wanted to uh create the character of ralph who it all happens to so um it wasn't too terrifying once i realized that he didn't you know necessarily want a perfect image of himself portrayed it was more about the story and what was going on to the character and all the other characters and the handover to the independence of Swaziland. So you didn't feel intimidated as much as you felt like you had the live source right there to turn to? Yeah, it was it was useful, you know. I mean, it was kind of scary at first just because I didn't want to let him down, really, because I know 
how much hard work he put into it and how much he adored the film. So I didn't want to let him down. And uh, that was worrying at first. But then, you know, once I got into playing the character and just got settled out there in Africa, um, none, none of that really worried me much anymore. And, you know, he's a very complimentary director and just really easy to work with and a really nice guy who uh, he's got loads of energy constantly and he'll, he just did anything to get the film made really and you know he was just a, a brilliant director to have around and a great guy to have on set so it was all good. Now did he take you aside and like tell you anything that maybe wasn't in the script that he thought would help you get that character right? Uh, there wasn't anything in particular he, he kind of didn't basically he didn't try to make me act like him if you see what I mean it was the film was based on his life and everything, but uh, the character wasn't exactly him, although everything that happened was true and everything. So he wasn't trying to let necessarily get me to play him. I mean, uh, you know, he made me a CD of the music that my character would have listened to, and that was probably the uh, the hardest thing to get into was the, the era and how the style of life that people had in colonial Swaziland, which is uh, a lot different from what we live in today, basically. Was this the first time you'd ever gone to Africa? It wasn't. No, I'd been to um, Nairobi before when I was, but that was when I was probably six or something. So this was the first, uh, basically the first time I'd really got to go and manage to appreciate it properly. Because when you're younger, you don't really. It's just kind of like a holiday. So it was, it was amazing to go out there. It's such a beautiful country, and you know, it's just a joy to be there for seven weeks filming. I mean, yeah, I think uh, the film uh, does do justice to how beautiful the country is, and. You know, all the, all the locals were really, really nice, and you know, it was just a really fun shoot. And because everybody was out there, they kind of we all kind of bonded and became like a giant family, basically. And how did you kind of get um, a feel for what that time period was like, and and what it would have been like to be British in Swaziland at that time, just before the country was getting its independence? Yeah, well, obviously, um, when you read the script, you get quite a good sense of how it was like, because you know. The women didn't really work, so they were bored and they had nothing to do out there, really. So they were off having affairs, and it was quite boring for most of the people who lived out there, basically. So, um, you know, they all turned to having affairs, and my character smokes uh, pot and stuff. And um, you kind of get into the area, you know, this weird thing when I find a, when I put on a costume or something, and when you see all the other people in their other costumes, and you see the sets as they would be in that era and stuff, you kind of. Uh, just go into that mind frame and it just becomes kind of life for you, if you see what I mean. Mm-hmm. Did Richard comment at all about how the country had changed from when he was there? Was there any, you know, real perceivable difference to him or was there any feedback that you were getting from the people you were working with that were from the country? I don't think it had changed drastically that much. I mean, quite a few of the sets, I think, were actually where the events had actually taken place. Quite a few of the people in the film were around when he was growing up there, like the uh, the teacher in the class scene was his actual teacher when he was there. Good morning, class. Good morning, Mr. Parker. Now stand up. Yes, you too. Read it out loud and clear. Chop, chop, Compton. We're all waiting. Well, speak up. We haven't got all day. It was kind of based very much around his childhood, and I think it was very true to how it was. And I don't think the country had changed that much, because obviously it's not a very economically developed country, so uh, it's not like a, 
other countries that's going to sprout up tower blocks all the time and change very quickly. So I think it was uh, quite similar to how it was, which obviously for the for the sets and everything made it a lot easier to uh, make it look like it was still 1970s. <laughs> Can you talk a little bit about working with Gabriel Byrne and how that was and what kind of a an acting relationship you developed with him? Gabriel was brilliant actor to work with. He was a, a really, really nice guy. I don't know, he was kind of a... Uh, kind of a brother figure whilst I was out there. I just got on really well with him and um I don't know, I learned a lot of him from just watching him and how he conducted himself and, you know, whenever we were sitting around on set and had nothing to do, he'd always have lots of great stories to tell from all the times he'd been acting throughout his career and all the people he'd met. And um he's just a genuinely nice guy with a lot of time for everybody. And um, you know, a brilliant actor to work with. you know, when you work with great actors like that, just watching them sometimes when you're acting a scene you think, Wow, that is Incredible. I suppose you think this is all so bloody easy. Well, wake up. Just you wait until you lose everything. And I mean everything. Wife, position, future, the whole damn kit and caboodle. Come independence, we're all on the scrap heap. So wake up. Spare us the martyrdom, Dad. You're drunk. Although, obviously... You concentrate on your acting or whatever, or being your character, but um, it's quite impressive. And then, yeah, we just got on really well. And um, at the end of filming, there's a there's a part of the film where Richard wears two watches, um, one from his wife and one that his father gave him. And there's a part in the film where Gabriel hands me over his uh, watch, being as he's playing Richard. And um, after filming finished, Gabriel gave gave me a watch as a present for the end of filming, which he got engraved, saying uh, Wawa with love from Gabriel, and um, he gave me a watch, which was uh, which was really, really nice. I mean, he's just, uh, you know, one of the nicest people you'll ever meet, really. Now, the character he plays isn't one of the... I mean, he, he he's a person who has a problem with alcohol, so how was how difficult was it to do those confrontational scenes with him? Um, it, it wasn't difficult at all, obviously, because, you know, he played it so well, and... Um, he was truly terrifying, basically. When he when he started to scream and shout and, you know, throw the bottles and stuff, I was, I mean, it wasn't difficult for me to act terrified or whatever because I was actually terrified of him, even though he was the nicest bloke ever normally. I mean, when you see him doing that and he just completely switches, obviously, and becomes his character. So when you see him doing that, it wasn't difficult for me because uh, I was actually terrified. And that's the great thing about working with these brilliant actors is that it makes life a lot easier for you because, you know, they're so good that they uh, make it easier for you to uh, act alongside them and just believe what's going on, really. Mm-hmm. Now, what kind of a director is Richard E. Grant? I mean, he's someone who's been an actor, so do you think he works better with actors because of that background? He can be quite hands-on or quite hands-off, depending. I mean, you know, he'd let you try your own things, and he, if he thinks the scene's okay, he wouldn't direct just for the sake of directing and change things when it wasn't necessary to change them. So he would, like, you know, let you put your own input in and just let you play around with it. But then, obviously, because he'd experienced it and because he'd been an actor before, he, for me, he made things very clear and um, it was just easy to understand what he wanted because, you know, some directors, they are kind of quite vague with what they want. Obviously, he knew exactly what he wanted, which uh, made my life quite a lot easier and he could explain it very well from an actor's point of view as well, which was, uh, you know, really useful and I think uh, it was the better for it. I was just curious if he's the kind of director who 
tends to try to verbalize what he wants or does he, you know, kind of get up and say, this is how I want you to do it and act it out himself? Yeah, it, you know, he'd do a mix of all those really things, basically. He'd, you know, physically he'd stand up and, you know, if, if it was a movement that you weren't doing right, he'd show you how to do the movement or sometimes he wouldn't almost verbalize the emotions. He'd just kind of make random noises like growing and stuff and just clench his fist and stuff and show you the emotions that you're meant to be feeling from doing that sort of thing, which is, uh, you know, it's, it's a bit weird at first, but you get used to it, and it's, uh, I think it's a really good way of directing, basically, and it worked well for me. Did you have a particular scene that was either a favorite scene or a scene that you found particularly satisfying from an acting perspective to do, to accomplish? Um, I think probably uh, the scene where Gabriel holds the gun to me. That was obviously, um, you know, I'd never had a gun held to me before. So um, it was quite a difficult scene to me to do because I hadn't had anything really to base it on in real life. Send me up! Fucking fairy! Not so bloody smart now, are you? Go on. Do it. Shoot! Once we got that in the can and once we played around with it and rehearsed it and got it feeling right, I think that was a, a really good scene to uh, to film and I think that came across quite well. So that was obviously um, good fun. And uh, also from uh, a scene that I quite enjoyed doing was uh, the scene at the uh, cinema ticket office uh, flirting with Mrs. Malaga. Evening, Mrs. Malaga. Has um, anyone ever told you who you're the spitting image of? No, love who? Elizabeth Taylor. Scout's honour. Look... I know it's an 18, but we're studying the book at school and wondered if you could make an academic exception. Just this once. This. These are on the house, love. But not a word to anyone. Thanks. Um, just because, you know, it was quite a fun scene to film where it wasn't too heavy-handed. I could kind of mess around a bit and try and be more... Uh, cheeky with the character, basically, and show that side to him, which was good fun. Mm -hmm. And can you talk a little bit about, you know, within the film, your character takes on a role in the play Camelot that these Britishers are going to be performing, uh, you know, as like part of this ceremony for the independence. Um, Could you just comment a little bit about kind of the choice of that and what it reflects on on those British characters? What it is is um, obviously Princess Margaret is visiting, and uh, all the uh, Swansea people put on uh, tribal dancing stuff, and the uh, the British folk, which sums it up quite well, decide to put on a production of Camelot, which is basically nothing to do with Swazi independence or anything. And, uh, yeah, they decide to put that on, and they actually have a uh, a coloured man playing Lancelot, who they, uh, you know, it's quite politically incorrect, because in the time, to uh, not offend Princess Margaret or whatever, because they weren't really allowed to perform, they paint him white. And uh happened with the helmet on and it just sums up the uh, the general uh opinions and society and how society was, you know, with the hierarchy and 
how people weren't allowed to perform and just what they thought was a good idea of putting on Camelot as an uh, independent ceremony performance, basically, which obviously it wasn't the uh, best of ideas, probably. And it all goes, uh, well, it doesn't go horrifically wrong, but obviously Guinevere, Julie Walters, who plays Guinevere, gets uh, horrendously drunk and, you know, it's kind of uh amateur production of it, which... Uh, Tobias, the director, takes very seriously and thinks he's a brilliant director, and it's just quite funny to watch, really, this amateur production, who are taking it very seriously, almost. Mm-hmm. Well, it also seemed there was a an odd mix in the choice of the play. I mean, on the one hand, it, it kind of revealed a, a kind of blindness that they had as to, you know, what they were choosing to perform, but on the other hand, there's kind of a certain naivete that has a certain appeal to it, too. <laughs> Yeah, it's kind of a mix of that where you can you can laugh at it and just see how ridiculous it always is, and you know it's it's good fun to watch it and just see all the shenanigans going on basically, and see the characters uh, taking themselves quite seriously in their amateur dramatics. How difficult was it to go there and shoot in Swaziland? Were they very accommodating, or was it difficult to go there to shoot? For the first week I was there, I found it quite strange, you know, being in the middle of nowhere and not having all the home comforts that you're used to, that was uh, quite weird. But then once you settle into the lifestyle and kind of forget about all the things that you don't really probably need at home, you just kind of get uh, engrossed in it, and it's it's delightful to live there. I mean, it's such a beautiful place, and all the locals were just delightful. I mean, it was the first film ever made in Swaziland, so they were quite curious and all very friendly. Um, Yeah, on the last day filming in Tig's Peak, the locals came in and sang to us uh, whilst we were eating lunch, and they sang um, "Sia Bonga Wawa," which means "Thank you, Wawa." And, you know, it's just it's just a completely different experience. It's life changing, mostly because you wouldn't really get that anywhere else that you go in the world. And it was just uh, very touching to be out there and be a part of it, and uh, you know, see how all these people live and just see other cultures, basically. When you go there, I mean, is it obvious that it had been a country that? Uh, had been associated with Britain before? Is there remnants of, of any of this kind of, you know, British culture, or is it completely erased from there? Or how? Um, I wouldn't say it was particularly erased. I mean, obviously, the Britons still, when they were there, they, you know, everybody's got clean running water and all things like that. And, you know, some of the buildings you could probably see as being colonial buildings built by the British. But, uh, you know, it's, it's, you wouldn't walk into it and think, wow, this was definitely inhabited by the Brits. I mean, just a few little things like the running water and stuff, which uh, they'd inserted probably, that might give it away. But apart from that, there's nothing really to tell it apart, I I wouldn't say, no. Mm -hmm. Can you uh, describe the title, uh, where that comes from in the film? Yeah. Um, It's Wawa, which is uh, basically the colonial speech was a kind of... Very, I don't know how to describe it, but they used a, you know, funny slang almost, which was like "toodle pip" and "cheerio" and "chin chin" and all these sort of random things, which people obviously wouldn't say. And then uh, Ruby's character, who's an American, who uh, marries Gabriel Byrne's character, she's played by Emily Watson. She uh, marries him whilst I'm off at boarding school, and I come home to meet her, and uh, she picks up on all this hush hush and billy bop language that they speak. And she uh, comes up with the word Wawa, which is basically, it's basically the interpretation of how the British colonials spoke with all their uppity, stuck-up English talk, basically. It's her interpretation of it, saying it's all Wawa, and it's all gobbledygook, basically. Toodle pip, Paul. Uh, Toodle pip, Charles. Toodle pip. Toodle pip. 
Toodle pip and hush hush. Why do they all speak in this snooty baby talk all the time? <laughs> blah blah this ta da that hubbly jubbly hoity toity toodaloo ding dong. Sounds like a lot of old wah wah. Wah 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 wah. <laughs> so was the uh, the entrance of the American character? I mean, does did Richard tell you anything about? It? I mean, did that really kind of cause that kind of a turmoil? I mean, was it that much of a kind of shock to the <laughs> to the culture there to have someone like that who tended to speak her mind a little more plainly? Or Yeah, obviously, she, uh, the culture there is very different from uh, what she'd been used to. And obviously, this character had been to college and been an air hostess and all these sort of things, which uh, these colonials would probably look down on, you know, working and things like that. And it's not from their culture and it's not what they would do. So it was looked down on them, but obviously she's actually a richer character who can deal with the dysfunctional family that she marries into. And, you know, she, at first the society doesn't really accept it, but I think towards the end they kind of understand her and gets accepted sort of thing. There were a lot of uh, really amazing actresses in this film too. What kind of uh, working relationships did you establish with them? You know, Emily Watson... Julie Walters, Miranda Richardson, you know, they, they were all just delightful. And because you were out there for so long with all of them, it, it, it did become like a family. And um, I, I honestly think I, I just got on really well with everybody. It was just lovely to go to work every day, knowing that you're going to be with these great people and that, you know, there wouldn't be any diva strops or anything and that everybody would get along and do their jobs well. And, you know, I, I'd, I'd done a film before with Julie Walters when I was, I think it was five, I played her grandson. And then suddenly I was 14, she was playing my auntie and stuff. And it's just nice to be with people who are really down to earth and just brilliant actresses who don't necessarily take themselves too seriously with their with themselves and just really nice, genuine people who you can get along with when you're working and off the set and just enjoy being with, basically. And do they all tend to have similar approaches to the way they act, or are they all very different in terms of kind of how they approach a character or a scene? <laughs> I can't really describe uh, the different approaches. Obviously, they're playing diff- very different characters. Miranda Richardson's character is very cold and reserved, so, you know, that's very difficult to Emily Watts, different to Emily Watson's character, who's, you know, very warm and friendly, and then there's Julie Walters' character, who's, you know, a bit of a drunk and kind of the joker almost, so it's, uh, you know, such difficult ca- different characters that obviously people's approaches to them will be different because, you know, the mindset that you've got to be in to play them uh, has got to be quite a lot different because, you know, just uh, being ice cold to being very friendly and warm is uh, quite a transition. So obviously the mindset that you're in when you're playing them has got to be quite different. Mm -hmm. One thing that I found interesting was that, you know, a lot of times when you see a a film that's autobiographical and, you know, the person it's about is either the writer or the director... Uh, you know, you really tend to sense that that character might be glossed over a little bit or, you know, somehow stands separate from the other characters. But I was really impressed how it, it didn't seem like Richard E. Grant was trying to, you know, make himself, you know, seem better than anyone else. Or, I mean, he seemed very, the character seemed very real and, and flawed. It is his story, obviously, and it's about his character growing up. But it's an ensemble cast and, you know, all the things that happen to him just create the character and he's not perfect. It's not everybody else's fault the whole time. He can't handle things. He runs away and 
he's the one that gets annoyed and gets upset and you know it's him trying to deal with it itself and obviously growing up and becoming a man and it's a, it's a changing of age growing up basically as well story of him uh, trying to yeah grow up in this dysfunctional family in Swaziland and uh, you know he's not perfect but none of the characters really are when you look at them so um, well not many people in the world are really perfect anyway so you know it's just an interesting story because obviously he hasn't made himself perfect just to make himself blossom in the film and everything that he's a saint or whatever so it's interesting to see um what are you most proud of in the film what am i most proud of that's quite a difficult question <laughs> <laughs> i'm just proud to be a part of it overall because you know when i see it i i'm, I'm i don't generally like watching myself but i'm i enjoy watching it and seeing other people's performances. I'm just proud to be a part of the film overall and be a part of, you know, Richard worked so hard to get the film made and everything. I'm just proud to be a part of his story and putting it together, really. It was, that was privilege enough for me. And what do you think audiences will come away from the, the film thinking about? One of the main themes is, is the uh, family life, which goes on, you know, the drunken father and, you know, the, the mum's running away and getting remarried and stuff. And, I'm not sure. I think, you know, hopefully people, when they see the film, they'll, um, there's funny bits and they'll enjoy those and hopefully they'll, not that I want to upset people, but hopefully they'll, uh, you know, feel feel the pain that the characters go through and then, you know, it's an emotional rollercoaster, hopefully, where they get the ups and the downs and then they leave just, you know, seeing, I'm not sure. I don't know <laughs> what, what, I don't know. I don't know how to answer that. I don't know. There's no, I don't think there's any major moral mm-hmm. issue being shown to it, but I don't think a film really needs some big moral message for you to enjoy it. I think, you know, just enjoy it for for the decent film it is. And what did you, what appealed to you the most about the character you played? Just the fact that, you know, all these, you know, crazy things happen in his life, basically, and it's just a difficult life for him to live anyway, and then at the same time he's trying to grow up and become a young man, so he's going through all this, and Obviously, the fact that he can't always cope with it—it's just interesting to see how that, yeah, how he deals with it, and how that his life was. Because most people don't have lives like that, and I mean, I, I, I don't. So um, it's just interesting to read about a young man's life like that and get the chance to pretend to be him and play him. So uh, the whole thing just interested me, really—the the lifestyle, the culture, the era, and just. The whole, everything about the character was just something really gripping to get into and I felt as though it was something that I could immerse myself in for the seven week shoot without getting bored of him really which you know he's a very layered character who I don't think you uh, really fully understand probably and one last thing I just wanted to ask you about the, the puppets that are used in the film and how was that you know working with those and kind of using that as a means for the character to express himself some of the puppets were actually Richard's, and um, that's how he kind of got away from it all. If you know what I mean, people have their things when they have bad times at home and stuff. They have their thing which they immerse themselves in, maybe playing sport and stuff. And uh, the thing he immersed himself in was his puppets and his acting and stuff. And, um, you know, obviously uh, his father called him a dolly boy and whatever for it and uh, took the mick out of him. But that was one thing that, you know, Richard managed to find an escape in sort of thing. And um, I thought... It was a good kind of uh, dis- uh, it was a good way of displaying that throughout the film. You know, the scenes with the puppets and 
the lighting and how the puppets move and just the emotional thing. And you can kind of display a lot from the puppets of how the character is feeling, which was useful, you know, kind of a way of doing it rather than using voiceover or something like that. And um, I think it worked really well. So were some of those actually the puppets he had when he was the age he was in the film, or are they ones that, I mean, does he still continue to kind of create those? No, there was, uh, I think, quite a few of them were actually his puppets from uh, his collection, which he had kept from back in the era. And, you know, obviously some of them were new and stuff. But quite a few of them were actually his own puppets, which he brought over to Swaziland. Okay, great. I appreciate that. that one? All right, thank you very much for your time. Okay, thank you. All right, bye. Take care, bye. You've been listening to the Cinema Junkie Podcast. I'm Beth Accomando. Please subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and make sure you give us a rating. Thanks very much for listening.